0: Welcome to March, right, in like a lion, had a a few glimpses of some spring weather this week, which was exciting, and I I have two sons, and I love to see my boys play together, and uh, on one of those good weather days this week, my oldest son, Silas, uh, came came running in from the garage with his baseball glove and ball, and he said, well, somebody throw baseball with me, and and I was about to, but my other son, my youngest son, Hudson, hopped up and said, I'll go play catch with you, Silas, and I'm like, what's going on here, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and they, they went in the front yard and played, and played catch together. And that was just a joy to just know that's what they're doing and watch them do that. Because sometimes, sometimes they get along. let <laughs> will show you one of uh, my favorite pictures from last year in Destin, Florida. This is just them. We were playing some, you know, throwing tennis ball on the beach. And look at the sunset and the smiles. And Hudson's got his arm around Silas. I mean, everything is just great and perfect, right? Sometimes they get along. sometimes they don't. Sometimes they get upset with each other. Sometimes they get upset with me or Carrie, my wife. I ran across this video from a few years ago that captures this and this, I love this. It just shares with you that life is not always uh, smooth and relationships aren't always uh, perfect. So look at this. Alice looks like he's about to eat his foot. <laughs> like, so Carrie and I were in the front seat, and we were just laughing the whole time. It was hilarious. Sometimes they get along. Sometimes they get upset with each other. I don't even remember what they were upset about there. Or sometimes they're upset, get they upset with me, uh, and Carrie. And that isn't that life, though, right? That relationships in life are not always Destin, Florida, and sunshine and sunsets and smiles and sand and fun, right? Sometimes relationships in life are full of peace and harmony. Sometimes relationships in life are full of conflict and disharmony. And it's because we live in a broken world full of broken people. And in this broken world full of broken people, we see unhealthy relationships all around us. From politicians pointing fingers, to co-workers pushing their own agendas, to families fighting. And we don't wanna see that relational conflict and disharmony. We know that's not right. We don't wanna see it around us. And for certain, we don't wanna experience that relational conflict and disharmony in our own lives. So in this broken world full of broken people, including us, we long for forgiveness. We long to see more forgiveness. We long to experience forgiveness. There are people in our lives who need our forgiveness. There are people in our lives, we need forgiveness from them. Everybody in this room and everybody you know who's not in this room needs forgiveness. Vertically and horizontally. And here's what I mean by that. We need forgiveness from God, vertically, in order to have a healthy relationship with, with him, the one who created us to worship him, the one who created us to have ongoing fellowship with him. We also need forgiveness with each other and for each other, and it, we need to express forgiveness to each other horizontally so that we can have the healthy relationships that God intends us to have in our homes, in our families, in our churches, in our community, and wherever we live, work, and play. And so that's why this prayer, all of the Lord's Prayer, and specifically this verse, just this part of the Lord's Prayer or the disciples' prayer that we're looking at today, has major, major implications for us. Because when there is no forgiveness, there is separation from God and from each other. When there is no forgiveness, there is division among family members and friends. And we know that. We've seen it happen. When there is no forgiveness, there's disunity in churches and in our community. When there is no forgiveness, there is nothing but anger and bitterness and shame and hurt. And that's why Jesus tells us to pray this prayer, because there's hope in this prayer. Jesus knows, and we know down deep, that when there is forgiveness, there is reconciliation With God and with each other. When there is forgiveness, there is harmony. There is relational harmony with our family members and with our friends. When there is forgiveness, there is unity in our churches and in our community. When there is forgiveness, there is nothing but peace and transparency and love. And so we continue this message series today talking to God. And we look at one part of this prayer. And remember, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and now us, how to pray. And not only teaching us how to pray, but showing us how to do that, how to pray, and what to pray. And if the greatest teacher in the history of the, history of the world wants to teach us something, we better pay attention. So let's pay attention this morning. Let's look carefully at this verse uh, and the implications it has for us. So I've got notes in your uh, message notes that you um, were handed when you walked in this morning if you want to follow along the verse on the screen as well but Matthew 6:12 Jesus instructs us to pray for forgiveness with these words and let's read this all out loud together all right and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors when we pray this this is a petition a plea a request Jesus teaches us that we should ask our Heavenly Father for his forgiveness. Forgiveness for what? Our debts, our sins, our failure to treat God the way he deserves to be treated. Our failure to give God the honor or the worth or the worship that he deserves. And you say, time out. You say, Michael, I thought that... My sins were forgiven when I put my initial trust in Christ, surrendered my life to him, and started following him as Savior and Lord. That's true. But it's also true from Scripture, Scripture tells us this over and over again, that even though we are followers of Jesus and we're children of God, we still fumble the ball. and We still rebel against God. And that rebellion against God separates that fellowship that he intends for us. And that relationship is not right until it's restored. Uh, Let me give you an example. When a family member sins against or does wrong against another family member, could be a, a husband and wife, could be parent, child, could be siblings, they're still family members. They're still part of the family. But you and I know this that when there's unforgiveness there, when there's sin there that separates that relationship, that relationship is not as healthy as it should be. It's it's not like it should be, as God intended. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. Even when we sin, as followers of Christ, as children of God, adopted into his family, make no mistake about that, that sin against God breaks that fellowship. That relationship, it makes that relationship not as healthy as it should be or could be or as healthy as God intends it to be. And that relationship is not going to be healthy unless there is genuine, ongoing repentance from us and forgiveness from God. That's why Martin Luther, the first thing that he says in the 95 Theses that he nailed on the door in Germany, it says the. The life of the Christian is to be one of daily repentance. And that's what we're talking about here. Now go to the verse again. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So the assumption is that we are so grateful to God for his forgiveness that we will gladly extend forgiveness to those who sin against us. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. And if you don't forgive, if you hold on to this unforgiving spirit, that not only impacts your relationship with God, it also affects your relationship with others. They go hand in hand. Now, this is not my opinion. This is what Jesus said just a few verses later. Verses 14 and 15, Matthew 6. Jesus said this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow. Now look at the prayer again. Matthew six twelve. Forgive me my debts as I also have forgiven my debtors. Is that what it says? What does your version say? It says ours, right? Think about be, let, let's. As Americans, we like to be you know, independent and think individualistically. But Jesus is clearly making a point that we, we need each other. And we need to pray together. And we need to pray for each other and with each other. It's forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debts debtors. Jesus is emphasizing this importance of praying in community. So, here are our goals for today. I want us all to walk out of here today absolutely convinced that this prayer matters. I want us to walk out of this room today, all of us, more motivated than ever to pray this prayer for the sake of our relationship with God and for the sake of our relationship with others. And I want us all to walk out of here today blown away by God's grace and His willingness to forgive us our debts. And more than that, I want us to all walk out of here today with this renewed urgency, commitment to forgive Others. Those are the goals for us today. And to accomplish those goals today, to walk out of here thinking those things, convinced of those things, we're going to look at six reasons why we should pray this prayer. Six reasons why this prayer, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, this prayer needs to be a priority in our lives. So look at this, look at your notes with me. Reason number one we are great sinners. We are great sinners. We still ask God, and I just hinted at this, but we still ask God for forgiveness because we are still sinners. This comes straight from 1 John 1, 8 and 9. John says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But here's the great news. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How we view ourselves determines how we approach God in prayer. If we think we've got it all together, we're going to approach God differently than if we come recognizing that we don't have it all together. I saw a picture this week of uh, some door hangers, two different door hangers. I want to show you this. this is, so the one on the left, I'm clean enough. Please don't disturb. And some people treat their relationship with God or their prayer life with God like this. Like, all right, I'm I'm good for now. So please don't disturb, and at least least you're polite and say please, right? Or the one on the right, I'm a right mess. That's just a British way of saying I'm a mess. Come on in. What was your viewpoint, what was the view of yourself as you even walked into this corporate worship gathering this morning? Was it I'm, I'm clean enough, I'm good enough, I'm okay, or This is me for sure. I'm a right mess. (laughs) Come on in, God. Come on in. Because I need you. I need your leadership. I need your forgiveness. So when we pray this prayer, we're recognizing that we're great sinners. And the great news for all of us this morning is that it doesn't end there. It's not like we don't have a place to go, a person to go to. We have a Savior. There's hope in Jesus. And that's reason number two why we need to pray this prayer. We trust a great Savior. Though we are great sinners, we trust a great Savior. Jesus died on the cross in our place to make forgiveness possible. This is the gospel. This is the central good news here. Ephesians 1-7, in him, it's talking about in Christ, in him, we have redemption We need to be rescued. We need to be saved. And by his blood, through his blood, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. Again, giving us what we don't deserve. When we pray, forgive us our debts, we express our faith and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. We admit that we are great sinners, but we acknowledge that we trust a great Savior who died to take our sin away. We trust a great Savior who died to take our condemnation away. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus died. We trust a great Savior who died to cancel the debt that was held against us. Nailing it to the cross, he wiped it away. It's unbelievable. Unless it's true. And it is true, so it is believable. We trust a great Savior who died to bring us to God. We trust a great Savior who died to make us holy. We trust a great Savior who died to give us eternal life. And that's why we pray this prayer. Because we trust in that great Savior. Reason number three, we need to forgive others. So again, this vertical angle, but also horizontal, we need to forgive others. It's not, the word is not forget evenness, right? It's forgiveness. The very word has the word give in it. God gives us forgiveness, even though we don't deserve it. And we give forgiveness to others, even though they don't deserve it. What does it look like to forgive others? In your message notes, I I ran across these scriptures this week, and really helpful to think through practically, okay, what does it really look like to forgive others? Even, Even if that other person is not repentant or not open to our forgiveness. Look at this. Look at this in your notes. What does it look like to forgive others? Resist revenge. This comes from Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. You let let God deal with it. You do what you're supposed to do. Let God deal with it. Bless them. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Grieve when they mess up. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles pray for them. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5, 44. Show love to them. Jesus said, love your enemies. And finally, seek reconciliation with them. Again, again, even if they're not willing to reconcile, we can at least seek that and be willing ourselves to seek that reconciliation. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Romans 12, 18. And you can take those with you because I think they will be helpful as you no doubtedly will experience the need for forgiveness or deal with the issue of forgiveness in the future. So we need to forgive others. And when we pray, forgive us our debts, we also have forgiven our debtors. We're not only confessing our sin, we're communicating our commitment to forgive others. Reason number four. We have work to do. God made us for a mission. He rescued us so that then we would be on a rescue mission. And that's to lead others to follow Jesus, who will then lead others to follow Jesus, who will then lead others to follow Jesus, who will then... It goes on and on. Multiplication. Why isn't every Christian involved in the greatest mission in the world? I'm convinced that there are several reasons. One reason is that that some Christians have unconfessed sin in their lives. And so their relationship with God is not as it should be. And so the last thing on their minds is being on mission with God. (laughs) Another factor, I think, some Christians have this spirit of unforgiveness in them. And so their relationships with others are not healthy. And so they're distracted by that unhealthy relationship. But again, the last thing on their minds is being on mission with God and working to fulfill the mission that God has for them. We will not be used by God until we make ourselves usable. And that is pursuing that healthy relationship with God based on His forgiveness and pursuing healthy relationship with others based on the forgiveness that we're, we're willing to, to give. Look at this verse. This verse is 2 Timothy 2.21. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. When we confess our sin to God, and when we commit to forgive others, we make ourselves usable for God's mission, and we shine the light of Jesus in a world that rarely sees or experiences real forgiveness. Reason number five, we should pray this prayer. We should make this prayer a priority in our lives. We have an enemy who is after us. We probably don't talk about spiritual warfare as much as we should. We have an enemy, also called Satan, adversary, the devil, who has a plan to divide us and devour us because he hates it when we get serious about forgiveness. Think about this the enemy, Satan, hates that we're here this morning in this worship service he absolutely hates it why because we come here and we sing songs about how good God is and how we love him oh he hates that and then we watch some people get baptized who have decided to transfer or allow God to move them from their own kingdom to God's kingdom Satan lost people. (laughs) And he hates that. He hates that we're talking about forgiveness. Because he's at work in our lives seeking to devour our relationship with God and our relationship with others. This comes straight from 1 Peter. Look at this verse. Be alert. And of sober mind, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone, someone like me, yes, someone like you, yes, to devour. One of the ways that the enemy devours us is by promoting a spirit of pride so that we don't humble ourselves and pray for God's forgiveness. He also promotes a spirit of forgiveness so that we're fighting with each other instead of forgiving each other. And if he can get us fighting with God and fighting with each other, then he just sits sits back and laughs because he knows that he has us right where he wants us. And so if we're gonna win the spiritual battles in life, we're gonna win on our knees, praying. Praying prayers like, Heavenly Father, forgive us our debts as also we have forgiven our debtors. That's the only way we're going to defeat the enemy because otherwise we get distracted with other things and our relationship with God and others are not healthy. And finally, number six, we need our heavenly Father's help. Let's remember that this is a prayer that we've been studying. And, and prayer accomplishes several purposes. One is prayer keeps us humble because prayer pushes, it's a way that we push pride aside and surrender ourselves to God. Another purpose of prayer is that it acknowledge, it's a way that we acknowledge that we need God's help. We're dependent on, on Him, and we ask Him to do what only He can do. And we need His forgiveness because we can't forgive ourselves. We can't take our sin away. Only God can do that through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And we know it's right to forgive others. We know that's right. But how many times have you tried to forgive somebody, and you just couldn't do it? I know I have because I was trying to do it in my own power and strength. And we can't do that. We need God's help to forgive others. And some of you may think, there is no way I could, give, I, I could forgive that person. I just can't do it. And that's a, that's a lie from the enemy because you can. Because God doesn't call us to do something he's not willing to help us do. And he wants us to forgive others. And he will help us do that. All things, including forgiveness are possible with God. Look at this uh, quote from Chuck Lawless. God so loves us that he not only wants to forgive our sin, but he also wants to help us forgive others. He does not want us to live in the agony of guilt over our sin or the bondage of bitterness over the sins of others. In him, we can be fully forgiven and also fully forgive. That is good news right there. One day, about 2,000 years ago, on a mountain, Jesus gathered a group of disciples. He said, Here's how you should pray. Here's what you should pray. So that you can stay connected with God and you can stay connected with others. 2,000 years later, we're gathered in this room as a group of disciples. (laughs) And he's telling us again, this is how you should pray. This is what you should pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. What would happen if we really prayed this prayer that Jesus told us to pray? What would happen if we were absolutely convinced that this prayer matters? If we were motivated more than ever to pray this prayer for the sake of our relationship with God and for the sake of our relationship with others? Would we see Quite possibly, would we see more people growing in their relationship with God? Would we see more people forgiving each other? Would we see more healthy marriages and families? Would we see more healthy churches? Would we see more changes? in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our country, in our nation, in our world. We have no idea all the things that God will do through our prayers. God's always up to a million things that we can't even see. But we are confident of this, that God will work through our prayers. And we are confident of this, that God is faithful to forgive. That's who he is. That's in his nature. And we are confident of this, that he will help us forgive others. So what do we do? We pray. (laughs) And we let God do what only he can do. I want us to end today by praying the Lord's Prayer together, out loud. And if you're like me, you may have grown up praying this prayer a lot in the locker room before a game or in church services. And if we're not careful, we just go through the motions of praying the words. And so let's pray this out loud together this morning. And let's pray from the heart. I invite you to please stand. It'll be on the screen so that we're all praying the same thing. Let's pray. Our, heaven, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated.